0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady, Courtney Cronin, Jason Fitz hanging out with you presented by progressive insurance wild night across the sports landscape. We've got Serena in action. Looks like she just, just now lost the last set. She trails six, five. I should say, didn't lose the last set. She lost the last match. She, she trails six, five in the first set, uh, six, five there. I'll keep you updated on what that looks like for Rena for Serena 6-5. Also Michigan State has scored again. They are now up 21 to 3. Looks like they're starting to run away. And, look, we found both fans in the entire country that are worried about the Indiana-Illinois game. I know it's a juggernaut. Hold everything, press pause, sit down, put out your popcorn. Uh, but Harry, producer extraordinaire, and Courtney Cronin, are you guys going to be able to act civilly, Courtney, throughout the course of the rest of this night? Of as Indiana-Illinois take each other on the juggernaut powerhouses that I, they are?
2: I think that Harry and I are both in agreement that we're happy this game is is happening to start the season because of the amount of eyeballs nationally. It's very clearly drawing and in the intrigue and interest uh, around the country because we know that you, Jason Fitz, are very interested in what's going on in this game, probably more so than what's happening at the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I can't really say anything. I'm sitting here with a UNLV hoodie and a UNLV football helmet. So, like I, like, I don't really think I have any room to talk about either of you. In the meantime, we'll keep you updated on everything but Indiana, Illinois, I promise we won't force you to be updated on that. Uh, But we are going to get you updated on Major League Baseball. I'm just trolling everybody I work with. At some point, they're all going to shut me down. ESPN Major League Baseball reporter Jesse Rogers joining us. Jesse, appreciate you hanging out with us. We wanted to get to some baseball, but really, we also wanted to talk to you about one specific thing, which is unionization of minor leaguers. It was a big story earlier in the week as they continue to press forward. Where is this and how is it going to end up?
3: Yeah, those are good questions. I mean, it's, it's evolving. It's not a shock that, that we're at this point. Times have changed. Uh, People are more aware of everything that goes on in the, in these things like, you know, social media, um, the ability Instagram to to vocalize your displeasure with your living conditions, with your working conditions. Like back in the day, players really didn't have an avenue to do that. Now they can. And, And I think, the growing sentiment from the public that cares at least is that look, treat these minor leaguers like they're human beings at least. And of course the owners from their side are like, you don't make me money until you come to the major leagues. And the fact that we provide you a place to play and to live, even if it's not the best living conditions, like that should be enough because you're going to be out of the game unless you're the rare, you know, 10% that make it to the major. So uh, but I think public sentiment is 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 on this the minor leaguer side, and it's it's probably going to end in a in a union for them. They let's put it this way: they can't have kind of worse conditions to to live under, right? The wages and the living conditions. So unionizing, I think, in their mind, at the end of the day, is 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 only going to be a positive. It can't be a negative. And now we'll see how it all plays out because I don't think they're going to get the same sort of um, rights as major league players they're going to negotiate this separately than the major league deal of course and we'll see what happens but I i don't think it could be much worse for a lot of those minor leaguers
2: Jesse, was there ever any consideration given to including minor league play- players in the Major League Baseball Players Association originally? I know that you know, we see this in the NFL with the NFLPA and wondering one day whether college football will either be part of that or have its own unionization of sorts. But for Major League Baseball's role in this, were, was minor league players, were they ever considered potentially to be under that same umbrella?
3: Not really. And and the reason is basically, if you talk to major league players that are in the union, it, it's, a, it's a zero-sum game. In other words, if you take money from here to help out the conditions that the, the minor league players live in, well, you're going to be taking it from the major league pot. And that still is true. But there's just this momentum that you can't deny. And I think that's the issue here that – Like, it's just inhumane to deny it if you're a million-dollar ball player, even though, again, it's a zero-sum game from the owners. If you take from here to pay minor leaguers, well, free agency is going to be suppressed or something else. It's going to come from somewhere else. And that's something that the owners, in their own way, have stressed to the players. They can't come out, you know, straight out and say it, but it's kind of been obvious through negotiations. It's a a zero-sum game. That's true. When they negotiate something at the major league level, and it certainly is going to be true if they take money from owners here, it's, it's going to come from the major league players' pocket. So that's why I think it's been slow to come to this point, because I don't think major league players really wanted it to happen in the past. But I think it's become undeniable that they have to participate or they're going to look like greedy, rich multimillionaires
1: we're talking to jesse rogers esp major league baseball reporter one more on this before we get to to baseball with it jesse but i think you make a really important point that maybe not a lot of people realize that minor league baseball salaries are covered by the major league baseball teams that are actually affiliated with them so you know here in hartford the yard goats as an organization are not paying the salaries of everybody that pays for the yard goats their major league baseball affiliate is is there some level at this where responsibility could could start to fall on the shoulders? Of the actual minor league clubs to provide better conditions,
3: not really because they're not making a ton of money. Those minor league clubs, it's kind of a break-even situation there. So, uh, no, the the answer could be as they did in the last couple of years, um, eliminating more minor league teams. I mean, that's that's what Major League Baseball can do. They can threaten to eliminate teams if you push them too far. So, it's it's you know it's just ultimately the owners do hold the cards and the leverage the only thing that can push them a little bit is sort of public opinion the momentum of public opinion and you know they they can't look too greedy too too publicly or else um they'll they'll get a lot of pushback so yeah uh, I, I don't think that's the, that's the answer it's 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 going to be up to major league teams to pay for this because minor league franchises are basically a break even proposition
2: Okay, five weeks from now, we will be watching playoff baseball in expanded format this year in some playoff droughts that could soon be ending. We know the Mariners haven't made the postseason since 01. The Phillies have not done that since 2011. Whose drought ends first and why?
3: The Phillies and the Mariners, I mean, they're both going to make it. They're both going to make it. I think I think the uh, the field is pretty much set. As much as I love the Orioles – Story or you know, the Brewers are okay, I think, I think they're both going to make it. Um, I, and I would love to say there's going to be an upset down the stretch here, but I, I kind of think the fields are both set. I, 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 I think Milwaukee and Baltimore are both going to be from the outside looking in, and Philadelphia and, and Seattle are going are to make it and, and, and break those droughts.
1: Jesse, you mentioned Baltimore, and I, I feel like all year I've been asking people, when do the wheels fall off? And everybody says, oh, it'll happen eventually. What has Baltimore been able to do that we didn't expect?
3: Pitch. I mean, they've even surprised themselves <laughs> uh, by, by the way they've pitched. I don't know how they're doing it. I really don't. These, If you look at their roster, um, even before they traded their closer, but certainly after, it is full of guys that have been released, DFA'd, given second and third chances. It's a hodgepodge. It's amazing. If you look at that pitching staff. So that's the thing they've done that, that is surprised. Um, and I think there's probably a, a level of maturity under Brandon Hyde. They've achieved, you know, like they haven't cracked under any pressure. I mean, the wheels may not come off ever because it's already been five months, but that still doesn't mean they're going to make it. You know, I think they might just be a game or two out come, come the, the last, you know, day of the season and, and 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 look back at a great year, but one that came up a little short. But maybe look, they've they've overachieved so far. You know, I'm not I'm not saying it's a to complete. They're going to be to be, be out of it, but um, that's what they've done. They've pitched, and uh, I don't see why they won't do it for another month. But they're going to need a little help to get in.
2: So. Aaron Judge at the moment 51 home runs which leads Major League Baseball we've talked all summer about him being on pace to break Roger Maris's American League record which is 61 now the overall record which is it's funny because I remember when we were on we were talking about this on radio and TV all summer like what is the actual record we're talking about the all-time record which is held by Barry Bonds was 73 homers or Roger Maris's, and feels now that we're, we're closing in on that <laughs> argument do you think he gets there in the next five weeks because because, I don't know, it felt like even when the Yankees were stumbling throughout the month of August that he was still doing what he needed to do, Jesse. Like, can he get to 61, or do you think he's going to come just short?
3: I do think he's going to get at least to 60. Let's start with that. I think it's going to be very close for 61-62. Um, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Uh, he's a threat every time he's up at the plate. Um, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, he doesn't even have to have to hit the ball squarely for it to go out. He's so strong, so I think he gets there. And I actually think Pujols gets to 700. I think we have a couple moments that'll be fun down the stretch. Remember, we play a few days into October, so um, we still have a full month to go, uh, 30 plus games. Uh, I, I think Pujols reaches his big mark, and I think um, you know whether it be 60, 61, 62. I, I think Judge will be right there. Yes.
1: Jesse, really appreciate you on a Friday night on Labor Day weekend, taking the time to break all this down for us. Thanks for joining us, my friend.
3: My pleasure. Have a good evening.
1: That's Jesse Rogers, ESPN Major League Baseball reporter. Tune in to an NL West battle Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night as the Dodgers host the Padres. Coverage of Sunday night baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. You guys are chiming in all over the place on Twitter, by the way. Great breakups. We're going to get into those throughout the course of the night. Don't go anywhere. But coming up, all eyes are on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Can Serena keep it going? We'll get you updated next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, Courtney Cronin.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: I'm just sitting here hanging out with Courtney Cronin on radio. Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio. I look up at my TV in the studio. I got, you know, Michigan State up 21-3 over Western Michigan on one TV. I got the U.S. Open on another. We'll get you updated on it in just one second. But on ESPN News, I look up. I see Courtney Cronin's face. Did you win on Around the Horn today?
2: I did not. Mina Kimes won, and she had some incredible puns. Uh, paying tribute to Poe, the uh. mascot for the Baltimore Ravens, who was moved to injured reserve because he broke his drumstick. Um, but we were talking about some of our sleeper teams for the college football playoff, and I shouted out NC State. I oh, actually I like am a big Wolfpack supporter this year. Nine and three last year, just a couple plays that got them out of the ACC um, championship game, and they have 17 starters coming back. I like their quarterback a lot. I like their receivers a lot. I also like the fact that they had the 14th best defense in college football last year. Give me the Wolfpack.
1: Yeah, that that defense is stellar. So I I, I think that's a really they good... might have
2: the best like trio of linebackers in college football no joke
1: Ag- agree and team speed on that defense is, is through the roof you should have won by the way like oh this thank is the you. thing like when, whenever we're on the show together and you're on around the horn it's just a standard thing like you're supposed to win so not that I have any pull but if you want me to talk to reality like I'm pretty sure he can kick my ass but I'll try it. <laughs> like, I'll try it. I'm just saying like you know repping the show out there uh Courtney Cronin, Jason Fitz hanging out with you. And uh, obviously all eyes tonight continue to be on Serena Williams. If you're not watching it, you can watch it. On ESPN, just uh, hang out with us. Uh, she lost the first set, seven to five. She's up in the second set, two nothing. We'll tell you about it in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about the best fan of the month, brought to you by Dr Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr Pepper. The one fans deserve. That goes to Gail. We all love Gail. We love Gail. Uh, Gail's the best. Gail's
2: one of the OGs. She like, and is. I'm not, this is not even my show, and I feel like I've got my people. Like. Gail being one of them Angry uh, Bears fan Dadman, man Som, Like all of our people The OGs
1: there, there's, What I love about radio Is the same thing That I loved about country music Is that like the, the relationship You start to feel With the people That support what you do Is very real And you feel like You get to know them And they get to know you And just like Gail tweeted out earlier Yes please Keep us updated On Michigan State My guys in the next room Watching it I suspect I won't get that pizza He promised me Till the game's over Sigh Gail, You go get that pizza
2: Yeah Gail, You call an order your own pizza girl like we we oh, we yeah. will handle our own pizzas around this place that
1: is a fair point like and then if he complains about it you just look over and you're like hey it was your job you didn't take care of it i get what i want i'm gail that's what i'm just uh, that's what i'm saying gail definitely the fan of the month and uh, we always appreciate you thank you so much for hanging out with us all the time serena like i said lost set one seven five uh she's up two nil in the second set and in fact uh up 30 love right now so within that so I'm looking at this and saying, okay, first and foremost, we all know that once Serena turns on the gas, it's very difficult to take away that momentum. So this is what we've been waiting for in this match. But even more importantly, Courtney, it just feels like the momentum of the country is behind her. And it's, it's, it's funny to me because... Serena is always very, very talked about, but not always beloved at every step in her career. It feels like people have oftentimes had polarized opinions, right? Like one side or the other on certain things about Serena. Right now, it feels like nobody is anywhere other than squarely behind, let's watch Serena play as much as she possibly can. And it just feels special. Like, we don't do a good job in sports of appreciating the moment. It feels like this moment is finally getting appreciated.
2: Because I think we're in this era of so much greatness and prolonged greatness where we get to to watch people like Serena Williams, Tom Brady, LeBron James at the peak of their careers and realizing all of them all at once are going to be ending soon. I mean, LeBron says he wants to play two more years. Tom Brady's coming back for season number 45. Serena in that Vanity Fair article intimated that this is going to be her last U.S. Open and that she's, you know, soon to be done. So we're finally, I think, appreciating it in these encapsulated moments where we can continue to watch these clips over and over again, watching what she did on Wednesday and realizing last night that she lost in doubles. Like the, the, the timeline for Serena might be ending soon. So to appreciate it while it's happening and to hear how loud it is at Arthur Ashe stadium right now, like I do feel for Ila Tomyanovich. I mean, she's handling it fairly well, but my goodness, Every imagine being Serena's opponent and going in there knowing like even you saw Serena the other night trying to quiet down the crowd. Like I can't imagine how deafening it's going to be, you know, going into set after set tonight, especially if she continues to win.
1: Yeah, the, the we joked about it as we were getting ready for the show tonight, y'all. But like I can't imagine how many private jets have landed in New York <laughs> in the last couple of uh, last what 24 hours because. You start looking around, you see, you know, Russ and Sierra are there. I believe we saw Seal. uh, I mean, yeah, Seal's out there just, I wonder if he's humming Kiss from a Rose while he's there. He should be. Um, You know, I, I feel like there's this moment of it's captured so much of the attention that over the course of the weekend, more and more and more people are going to try and find a way to get into this. And the crowd noise has to be at some point just this great adrenaline rush if you're if you're serena uh, it's just the extra little reminder and edge and push that is it's incredible to me and you know uh, you're right we see prolonged greatness but i think to a fault right now a lot of people will spend that time whether it's in sports media or fans on twitter they'll spend that time trashing the greatness we see as not as good as expected or not as good as it used to be or whatever. are the- trying
2: to find where they rank all time amongst yeah. either the greats in their sport or the greats, you know, regardless of sport, which I think is just a silly way to honestly waste the moment, right? Like we will do this until we're blue in the face because everybody loves a ranking. Every show, especially on our network and other networks, loves to find out list and see where people's lists are and then we can argue about it. There shouldn't be a list when it comes to Serena Williams. You're watching one of the greatest tennis players ever, men or women, to do what she's done and doing it right now, where she can still find that extra gear. I think about her little bathroom break that she took the other night when she, I think it was after her second set, she comes out a completely different player. She doesn't look like she's 40 at that time. She looks closer to the age of her opponent, who's 26, you know, just her way that she's that she can move at her age and just like and I know that we're you know I'm kind of being an ageist here and bringing up the 40 thing but like that's a fact like she is one of the older players doing what she's doing and she's doing it at an elite level and we get to watch it how cool is that
1: so many people Courtney that are spending time right now trying to qualify or quantify I should say the the successes of some of these great athletes are are the same people that when they are grandparents they're going to correct their grandkids and say no 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 this player is not as good. i watched lebron even though they trash lebron now you're absolutely like serena is going to be not just great now but for generations she's going to be the i watch serena at the u.s open type athlete that's what makes this moment so incredibly uh, so incredibly incre- so incredible i should say all right i'll learn how to speak coming up we'll talk to a college football football expert that knows how to speak and i'll figure out what the hell i'm doing
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Crowd's getting fired up. Serena lost the first set, but she's up in the second set, 4-0. keep you updated on it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, Jason Fitz, Courtney Cronin. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive commercial insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options and easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at progressive discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations all right we need to get some thoughts on this weekend's games and obviously the big news of the day college football playoff expansion to do that Our buddy Ian Fitzsimmons ESPN radio host you hear after this but also you'll hear him this weekend sideline reporter uh, you'll be on the call for FSU LSU on Sunday a game everybody can listen to on ESPN radio pregame starts at 7 p.m. so Ian let's start with the obvious here we've been talking about college football expansion everybody's talking about it Uh, what are your thoughts on the decision to expand the playoffs
0: well it's about damn time Fitz and uh, Courtney great to be with you guys Uh, man look This should have happened last year, uh, and I'll never forget sitting down with Bob Bowlesby, then Big 12 commissioner, now retired, and he's a great friend of ours. And he told me at Big 12 media days, pre-Texas and Oklahoma, exiting and leaving to go to to the Southeastern Conference, he said, expansion and going to 12 teams is best for the game. And that train has left the station. Well, the train got halted, and the train got run off the tracks. The moment when Texas and Oklahoma decided, you know, a week and a half later to leave and go to the SEC. Then that next thing, you know, the ACC, you know, the Big Ten, you know, the Pac-12 formed that alliance that was built on a, about as strong as wet paper mache. You know, Bowlesby is now, you know, you know, going back and saying, nope, we're not going to expand and voting against a format that Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, had put together. Well, fast forward a year. Guess what we're doing? Here we are. We're going to 12 teams. But it's different because Greg Sankey told me, and you can go back and get the audio, man. I mean, he told me flat out at SEC Media Days in a 20-minute sit-down I had with the commissioner of the most powerful man, in my opinion, in college football, he does not believe there should be automatic bids. And I agree with him on this. It should. He said it should be the 12 best teams in college football. I agree with that. Why wouldn't you want the 12 best? Both. Why wouldn't you want the 12 best? So right now, in the moment, we have six auto bids and then six at large. And I'm curious to see how that plays out. But right now, it you know, the commissioners of, of you know, the Power Five have been kind of pushed to the side for the moment. Now, they're going to have to figure out how we're going to do this whole thing. You know, do, do the top four seeds truly get a buy? And then do the, the next four – get a home game, however it's going to play out. But to me, I'm with Greg Sankey. I think it's about the best 12 teams in college football. And we all remember the Super Bowl champion, New Orleans Saints, and going as a wild card team, an 11- or 12-win team, I can't remember the exact total, going on the road to a 7-9 and nine Seattle team. They lost that game. Why? One, because of the atmosphere, because he had to go on the road. But a, a, a team with a losing record shouldn't be hosting playoff games, whether it's in the NFL or in college football. But that, that's, the, that's, the, the, that's the format the NFL has. And I think that's what Sankey's pointing to. Should it be division winners, conference winners, or should it be the 12 best teams? And to me, I'm all about the 12 best teams.
2: Yeah, the automatic qualifiers will obviously be very heavy on Notre Dame, SEC, and Big Ten schools, so you can understand why some wouldn't want that model necessarily. But you brought up something about realignment, that this was an idea we found out about last summer, and obviously with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, that threw things off. Then, of course, the Big Ten poaching USC and UCLA. Does this mean that realignment is going to slow down elsewhere, Ian? No,
0: no, hell no. Cordy, you know that you know the answer to that you 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 covered ball in mississippi i mean you know you know exactly uh the answer to that question and and it's right now i mean from what i've been told you know oregon has been in talks to the big 10 washington has been in talks to the big 10 i've got oregon georgia tomorrow here on espn radio with with kesty and and kelly Stoffer. i mean uh you know the, the arms race is going to continue uh just just because we have a 12-team format, you know, a rough outline in place does not mean that, you know, the arms race is over. It's going to continue. I know for a fact Brett Yarmach, you know, the the new Big 12 commissioner, he's in talks with with, with certain institutions that have Pac-12, you know, Shall we say, you know, roots in the soil. I mean, it. it look, it, it's 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 not going anywhere, and the expansion is going to continue. I've heard SMU's been in talks with SM, with uh, with the ACC and the Pac-12. You know, and that's a top five market. You know, why wouldn't you want to go and try and have a footprint there in Dallas, Texas? So, uh, to answer your question, Courtney, just because we have a 12-team, you know, rough outline for the future of of the college football playoff. You know, the arms race is going to continue and, and and there's zero doubt in my mind in talking to Greg Sankey and Brett Yarmark, you know, and, and multiple athletic directors across the country that we're going to end up with three power whatever conferences, three mega conferences and that's how it's going to end up. Uh, but so yeah, just because we have you know this new rough outline, man, the, the poaching is going to continue. It's not done. It's, it's not done by any stretch of the imagination.
1: He's Ian Fitzsimmons. Uh, you're listening to Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, Courtney Cronin, hanging out with him. Uh, and obviously I want to get to some of the games this weekend. I know you've got a lot you're working on. Uh, is there a game though? Not just that you're calling. Is there a game this weekend that stands out to you that says, man, this is the one everybody should have their eyes on.
0: Man, it's, it's an obvious one. And that's Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, you know, I've got Oregon, Georgia tomorrow, and then uh, Florida State and LSU. And by the way, LSU, don't sleep on them. I mean, I'm telling you right now, they, they've got, you know, I'm talking to Brian Kelly, the, the, the new head coach coming up from Notre Dame. They've got eight nine transfer portal guys that are going to start. Jaden Daniels, a quarterback from Arizona State, uh, in my opinion, is going to be the starting quarterback. It don't sleep on the LSU Tigers. Talking to, you know, B.J. Ogilari, who's one of the best edge rushers and going to be a first-round draft pick. And if, and if your NFL team gets a, the guy wearing 18, and for people who don't know, 18 is a cherished number. It's honored at Ohio at, at, at LSU. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better. You have to be voted on by your, your peers your coaching staff, and the former 18s to, to be able to wear that cherished number. And B.J. Ojolari said it's different here right now. The little things, it's the minute things that are being taken care of. That's the attention to detail. I think LSU is going to shock some people starting on Sunday night right here on ESPN Radio. But look, man, go to Ohio State Notre Dame. That's it. I mean, I'd I, I love to give you an off-the-radar one, <laughs> Fitz. But, but, dude, I mean, that's... At, at, the O2 team that I covered, by the way. I mean, how old am I, dude? I'm man, I'm getting ancient, bro. I mean, I know I got gray in my beard and whatnot, but damn, man. I mean, I, I was standing on that field at the shoe, you know, covering working in Columbus, Ohio with some dude named Herb Street, you know who the hell that guy is, right? And I remember Mark Snyder, then the linebackers coach, and Mel Tucker. The head coach of Michigan State was a DB coach. He's jumping into my arms, going, We're playing for the Natty, man. We're going to the Natty when they just beat Michigan. Right. And then they they went on to beat the unbeatable Miami Hurricanes. That was 20 years ago. You know what team is being honored tomorrow at the Shoe? That squad. Get ready for a cannibalistic, medieval atmosphere at the Horseshoe. It's going to be insane. Jim Trestle. 80 players, 80 of that squad are all going back and being honored to that for, for that unbelievable upset over the Miami Hurricanes. You couple that with Notre Dame coming in, dude. It you, you can't you you try to pull it. You, if you put a tried to put a lid on on the shoe, it'd be it it'd burst off in, in half a second. I can't I can't imagine what that's going to be like. So. Get ready trying to, to police the red solo cups in the parking lots because it ain't going to happen, man. I mean, it's an advertisement for tailgating. and That one is going to be absolutely medieval. That's the number one right there. I'd love to go off the radar for you, but I can't. That one doesn't get any better than we have here in in, in Atlanta or on Sunday night uh, in, in New Orleans. Notre Dame and, and, <laughs> and Ohio State, O2 squad, 20 years. Tress coming back. Coach, get ready. I mean, buckle your chin strap. That one's going to get nasty.
2: Yes, yeah, so no big deal for Tyler Buckner who's the sophomore quarterback for Notre Dame right, going right, in in front of 100,000 people and literally luck, every Coach. other thing that Ian just mentioned to try to get a win for a team where I think the, the spread is 17 and a half. Yeah, that's not an uphill battle Open or
0: 14, Courtney, has um, gone to 17. That's the have hammered yeah. the Buckeyes.
2: I want you to tell me something about Ohio State because I know that they can put up a ton of points. They've got a Heisman candidate at quarterback. They have an NFL team like they do every single year. But this defense was not great last year. They were 31st in points allowed, 51st in yards allowed. They've got a new defensive coordinator in Jim Knowles. And I heard him you talking about it. this unit this week saying, I don't have that many concerns. Now the corners are coming back. I feel confident in what we have. How can he be so confident in that mm. when we haven't seen this group get fielded in a game yet I mean are you this confident in this Ohio State defense that they can look different than they did against the Oregon's, the Michigans and the Utah's last year that absolutely manhandled them on defense
0: two words hell yeah (laughs) Jim Knowles is a mad scientist it's going to be a different field I'll talk to Ronnie Hickman they're they're in my opinion one of the more underrated defensive players in all of college football He's an outstanding he's out, he's safety for the, for the for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and he said that Jim Knowles and told me he told me Knowles has brought a different attitude here, and everybody knows where they're supposed to be, and it, and it's it's seek and destroy. And by the way, you mentioned C.J. Stroud also the most underrated player in my opinion in all of college football is Travion Henderson, their running back. That's a Heisman also guy, you know. As far as contender, he will be mentioned in late October, early November. This but this defense, according to answer your question, with Jim Knowles coming over from Oklahoma State, Ronnie Hickman would not shut up about the difference as far as assignment and, and the attention to detail. Everybody knows exactly where they're supposed to be. That's not a shot at Kerry Coombs, who I've known a long time, who's now, you know, it's been a long time special teams coordinator. He's now at Cincinnati, you know, with Luke Fickle, another, you know, obviously former Buckeye. But I'm telling you, this Buckeye defense, the talent is there at every level, from Hickman to Zach Harrison on the edge. This is a team that that all they had to do was be put in the right place, and Jim Knowles is going to do that.
1: An amazing uh, college football mind and even better friend. Check him out this weekend. Uh, obviously, like we said, FSU, LSU Sunday on ESPN Radio. Pregame starts at 7. He'll also be on Georgia, Oregon, all over the place. Make sure you're with ESPN Radio for the weekend. Ian, as always, we appreciate your time, my friend. Have a great time. Fitz,
0: Courtney, you know what's great right now? College football is back. <laughs> Ain't my grand is widespread panic once said. Love you guys.
1: You know, what's great are your responses to spectacular sports breakups. We're going to get some of those coming up to you next. Courtney Cronin, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. You guys have lit up the Dr. Pepper Twitter line. Absolutely love it. We'll get some of your responses to the question of the day, which is FGL announced they broke up. So uh, we asked you for some great sports breakups. But before we get to any of that, Courtney Cronin, Jason Fitz on ESPN radio. I got to tell you, Serena Williams, she lost the first set seven, five, and it feels like all that did was really piss her off for the second (laughs) set five, two up in the second set, but definitely uh, she's come out. Firing on all cylinders and it's just a level of aggressiveness from her and this is this sort of mimics what we saw in the last round too, where it feels like the more the match goes on Mm -hmm. the more power she seems to get Courtney.
2: I'm about to say, like, when is when is she going to take her bathroom break or just like leave the court momentarily? Because that's what happened to her after the second set on Wednesday, where it's almost like she unlocked another gear that we knew she had. It's not like that's something that's been hidden, but I don't know what it's going to take seriously, though, like watching her the last few minutes and, um, you know, where she's at right now like i'm i'm kind of scared if i'm isla tamjanovic to see what what serena is going to tap into here as we go into the third set well
1: and i think it's important you know i'll never forget standing on the sideline the first time i ever covered a national championship game for espn and i was standing next to Mike Gullick jr as uh alabama beat georgia at the time on in, in overtime and uh, the confetti cannons were sprinkling all over the field. And I remember Mike saying, some teams just beat you when they get off the bus. And you always hear that in sports, but you never think. As a fan, I never thought that was real. Then you talk to athletes that have lived through it, and it is. If there, there are certain programs, certain people, that just have an intimidation factor. When you are standing opposite of Serena and you realize that you've lost the momentum and she is getting stronger, it—they're just I, I I believe genuinely there has to be some level of, oh, my God, that comes to that. And figuring out how to play in control through that, it's got to be difficult for any individual. I don't care how accomplished you are when you realize you're taking on one of the best and they're starting to get momentum. That is a scary, scary thing.
2: Yeah, her defense, too. I mean, like once her movement skills, that first match that we saw on Wednesday were were absolutely incredible, and it feels like that momentum that she's carried over into this game, you're seeing it at every moment. And so she's – She's clearly riding high right now. I can't imagine how loud that is at Ashcourt. You've got to be thinking for Tamjanovic. That's not a great spot for her to be in.
1: Well, and that being said, I'll give her credit because obviously Tamjanovic won the first set. She does trail in the second set. Keep you updated on what Serena is capable of doing here. You never want to look too far ahead. But you are absolutely right that, you know, at some point you think about how loud it is there and you only think in my mind of how loud it's going to continue to get through the course of this entire tournament if she is able to advance and you know obviously that's the hope I think for a lot of people watching right now if she is able to advance every single round is only going to get more chaotic it's only going to get more star power behind it it's only going to get more eyeballs like this just it it feels like we're all sort of looking with uh, bated breath waiting in anticipation for the snowball effect
2: absolutely and I'm just excited for this one Friday night nothing better than that
1: yeah, Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, Courtney Cronin, Jason Fitz. Again, we asked you guys on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed uh, to chime in on uh, most famous breakups in sports. And sometimes, you know, uh, we put this stuff out there. We hope a few of you guys actually like the question. and We'll see who reacts this time. It feels like everybody seems to have a great idea. We've had a lot of tweets that have come in. Uh, Kevin Winter, our friend uh, said, um, Tom Brady and the Pats, the end. You can <laughs> tell that Kevin Winter is a, a Patriots fan, Kevin, because you know what? I like, I, I, I get that, but my God, there are there are you know other answers to it.
2: Oh, absolutely! I mean, the alliance was my favorite one. <laughs> that is what Peter Burns, our colleague who hosts uh, Best Week Ever on Sunday mornings, ESPN Radio, will actually be on with him this Sunday, and I cannot wait to ask him about the alliance because. Uh, when the Big Ten decided to go poach USC and UCLA, that was the death of the Alliance yeah. uh, back in June. So that's that was a fun one. I really enjoyed that one.
1: You know, Peter is not only one of the nice guys, but also just one of the smart guys, too, when it comes to everything with college football. It's a great listen. if you guys haven't checked it out on the weekends, you absolutely should. Uh, J.D. Brown tweeted, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones has to be up there 30 years later, still an issue. They had a juggernaut of a dynastic proportions, and that breakup has left the franchise wandering the desert of mediocrity. A, that's a really well-written tweet, J.D. I got to give you a little credit for it. But B, you're not wrong. I really hadn't thought about Jimmy and Jerry uh, because Mm -hmm. it's just been a long time since I had to think about Jimmy and Jerry. But if you think about the consequence of that breakup, that's one of those, like, nobody's better off 30 years later. That's the sign of a really big breakup.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, a sign of another big breakup is when there's a phrase that people can remember for the end of time. (laughs) One that uh, S.L. Larm sent uh, us on Twitter. Seriously, question marks? Quote, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. So the first breakup with the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James because that phrase itself is so iconic that we will never forget that that was the breakup between LBJ and his first team.
1: That's that's a great answer, uh, Courtney. This one made me laugh. Travis said, the Lions and postseason victories. I and felt this, bad for that one. The <laughs> postseason told the Lions to take a walk 20 years ago. They've never even tried flirting with it again since. Like, yeah, they tried. I mean, it, it was a good attempt. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I feel bad for Lions fans. Uh, but, yes, that definitely. By the way, you got to vote on this. I don't know if you saw that. We got a tweet that said, Courtney and the Vikings. But you know what? Courtney, you're doing great things with the Bears. Oh, thank so, you. you know, like it's, you know, it's painful, but still, you've moved on.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, all, all great memories. See, divorce and breakups don't have to be awful things. Like, real t- uh, Evan Wilner, who produces Canny and Carlin, said, "What a great topic." At Real Tannenbaum and the Jets is my answer. I don't know if there is shade in there, but he's no. calling out. He's calling out our front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum. There, so it's kind of like mine.
1: Uh, Evan has a level of Jets fandom that's unhealthy, especially <laughs> when you think about the way the Jets particularly play. So. Uh, you know I think that was probably real did get uh, uh slurney uh just sent us the the gif of Scotty and Michael uh and Dennis Robin that's a that's you know it was three of them but still that that's a heck of a breakup to try and uh to try and think about and in, in fact Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen will both be joining Freddie and Fitzsimmons they'll be answering this question next thanks for hanging out with Spain and Fitz
0: thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.